Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. You know, and it took me many, many years, Jake Trudy, to, to figure this out, was I wanted my life to kind of not be a lame life, if I was honest with you. I'm like, man, how do I not have a lame life? And, uh, and I just thought maybe, you know, I need to go to, you know, I need to go to a Tony Robbins seminar and walk on hot coals, or, you know, do something like that, unleash the giant within, you know, do something like that. And then, and then one day I'm reading in Matthew and it's, it's the parable that, that encompasses all the parables. It's the parable of the sower. And, you know, Jesus said to the disciples, it was a little bit of a, little bit of a kind of a chastise. He says, listen, if you don't understand this parable, how are you going to understand any of the parables? They're all summed up in this one. The son of man goes out to sow seed. You know, a sow goes out to sow and some falls by the wayside and some falls on the path and some falls on shallow ground. Others one choked by the weed, but some falls on good soil and it produces 30, 60, 100. And, uh, and he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a sower goes out to sow seed. And then God began to show me that, that the seed is the word of God. And the soils are the hearts of men. And God says, I'm in charge of the seed, but you're in charge of the soil. Now, my name, Jürgen, means farmer. So, so it's been an unfolding revelation that, wow, okay, God takes care of the seed. There's, there's nothing wrong with the seed. How many of you know the seed that fell by the wayside is the same seed that fell in the shallow soil, the same seed that fell amongst the weeds? It's the same seed. But what was the difference? Why, why was it only the good soil that produced 30, 60, 100? Because it was good soil. It was free of the weeds and the rocks and all the, and it went down deep. And so, so then I began to realize, God says the condition of your life is determined by the condition of your heart. And I'm like, man, how come you didn't put a verse like that in the Bible? And then he says, read Proverbs 4.23. Above all else, guard your heart for out of it, flows the issues of your life. I'm like, shoot, you did put it in there. And so, so I began to realize if you want your life to reflect heaven on earth for real, because the word came from heaven. The word, God lives in heaven. The word originates in heaven. Heaven is governed by the word. The word from heaven created the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and God said, and it was so, and God said, and it was so, and God said, and it was so. The earth was meant to reflect heaven. Your life can reflect heaven. Your life can reflect heaven. And I'm telling you, the level of my life that reflects heaven is literally the level of His Word in my life. So, so we, we made a decision. See, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. So uh, when, when I started on this kind of journey and discovered how awesome God's Word is, I'm like, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to, it's unbelievable the attacks that we come under for preaching the Word of God. But I refuse to dilute, pollute you know, water down because I know that when this thing goes forth, your life will be awesome. Amen? Amen. All right, well, today, normally I do read from the New King James translation, same one Jesus used, same one Jesus used. But today, today, just because it, it so impacted me in my, my personal devotions, I want to read from the NLT, the nearly, 
the, the, uh, the New Living Translation. So come with me, First, First Samuel 10, 26. I forgot to give the title of my, my sermon to the 9 the, the a.m. I forgot to give the title. So when you see them apologize for me and say, oh, Pastor, you know, because his favorite are the 11 o'clock people, but don't, <laughs> don't tell them that. But, uh, but the title of my message today is Crush the Serpent. Crush the Serpent. Genesis 3 introduces the serpent. The serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field. And the serpent got us into this mess. Today, I'm going to give you a, a powerful Bible lesson on how to crush the serpent in your life. So 1 Samuel 10, 26 says, When Saul returned to Gibeah, a group of men whose hearts God had touched followed him enthusiastically. But there were scoundrels. There were some scoundrels who complained, saying, how can this man deliver our city? How can this man save our city? And they scorned him and refused to bring him gifts, but Saul just ignored them. Nahash, everyone say Nahash. Now, I want you to notice that, uh, anyway, so Nahash was the king of the Ammonites. Nahash is translated Nahash because it's his name, but it's not the first time we see the, the, that word Nahash in the Bible. In Genesis 3, when it says, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field the Lord God had made, the word there for serpent is the word Nahash. Nahash in Hebrew is the word for serpent. So put, put the scripture back up, we'll keep reading. So Nahash, king of the Ammonites, had been grievously oppressing the people of Gad and Reuben who lived east of the Jordan River. He gouged out the right eye of each of the Israelites living there and he didn't allow anyone to come and rescue them. And he didn't allow anyone to come. He gouged out the right. How many people know there's a little bit of control, a little bit of oppression, a little bit of lockdown, shutdown? And then the Israelites, these are the John, there wasn't a single one whose right eye Nahash had not gouged out, except there were 7,000 men. It's interesting, 7,000 hadn't bowed their knee to Baal, 7,000 men who, hadn't, who was, had escaped from the Ammonites and they had settled in Jabesh Gilead. Next verse. About a month later, King Nahash of Ammon led his army against the Israelite town of Jabesh Gilead. But all the citizens of Jabesh asked for peace. Make a treaty with us and we will be your servants, they pleaded. Now just stop there for a second. I want you to notice that he's already gouged the eyes out of people. He's already governing over a territory. But I want you to notice something about evil. Evil is never at peace. Evil is never content. It, 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 has, it continually wants to creep. It, it says it just wants to coexist. It says it just wants to be accepted, but it doesn't want to coexist or be accepted. It wants to dominate. It wants to force. It wants to control. It wants to destroy. It cannot help itself. That is the nature of evil. So he, they, they, they come and they say, listen, man, you're bringing your army in here. Listen, we don't want to fight. We just, we just want to live our lives. We just want to go to work, raise our kid, Kids, go to a Padres game, watch them whoop the Phillies. We just want to, we just want to do life. Give us some terms of peace. All right, Nahash said. All right, the serpent said. But only on one condition, I will gouge out the right eye of every one of you as a disgrace to all Israel. Now, how many people know the next verse says they said, no way, you can blow it out your shorts. Oh, sorry, they didn't. They say, give us seven days to send messengers. Can we think it over? Give us seven days to send messengers. Throughout all Israel replied the elders of Jabesh. 
if no one comes to save us, we'll agree to your terms. I can't believe this. Saul, uh, so when the messengers came to Gibeah of Saul uh, and told the people about their plight, everyone broke into tears. Saul had been plowing in a field with his oxen. When he turned, returned to his town, he asked, what's the matter? Why is everyone crying? And they told him about the message from Jabesh. Then the Spirit of God came powerfully upon Saul. I thank God that the Spirit of God, I thank God that we're a Spirit of God church, a Holy Ghost church, because where there's the Holy Ghost, there's power. You shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. The Spirit of God came powerfully upon Saul and he became very angry. Can I tell you, nothing's gonna change until you become very angry. Nothing changes until you get a little bit of holy anger. Jesus became angry and flipped tables. I'm telling you, there's nothing wrong. The Bible says, be angry, but don't sin. That nothing shifts until you start saying, you know what, I'm, I'm done with what I'm seeing happening in our schools. I'm done with what I'm seeing happening at our gas pump. I'm done with seeing the rise of inflation. I'm done with seeing what's, until you get angry, ain't nothing gonna change. Next verse. So he took two oxen and he cuts them into pieces and he sends them throughout all the land of Israel with this message saying, this is what's gonna happen to the oxen of anyone who refuses to follow Saul and Samuel into battle. In other words, if you don't fight, this is what your future is gonna look like. Your business, which is what an ox was, is gonna be decimated. Your income, your income, your earning potential, your salary, your wages, your wealth is gonna be decimated unless you follow Saul and Samuel, unless you follow the king and priest into battle. And the Lord made the people afraid of Saul's anger and all of them came out together as one. When Saul mobilized them at Bezek and found there were 300,000 men of Israel, 30,000 men from Judah, uh, Saul sent messengers back to Jabesh Gilead and says, we will rescue you by noontime tomorrow. I love the New King James, that verse there, verse nine. He says, before the sun is hot tomorrow, we will deliver you. Before the sun is hot, we will deliver you. And there was great joy throughout the town when that message arrived. There was great joy in Jabesh Gilead when that message arrived. There was great joy in El Cajon when the message, the God before the sun is hot, that God is gonna deliver you from the serpent. He's gonna deliver you from the oppressor. He's gonna deliver you from the wicked one. He's gonna deliver you from the evil one. He's gonna deliver you from the enemy. That's what San Diego needs to hear. That's what California needs to hear. That's what America needs to hear. That's what the world needs to hear right now. Somebody say amen. amen. But before the next day, but before the next morning, Saul arrived having divided his, oh, hang on. Have I, have I got this right? Yep. Uh, the, the, sorry, then the men of Jabesh t then told their enemies, tomorrow we will come out to you and you can do whatever you wish. But before dawn, the next morning, Saul arrived, having divided his army into three detachments. He launched a surprise attack amongst the Ammonites and slaughtered them the whole morning. We've got the midterms coming up. I pray that we slaughter the wicked, that the wicked are slaughtered. They are so humiliatingly defeated and driven out of our school boards and supervisors and county supervisors and governorships. We get the wicked out and we put godly men and women in their place. The remnant of the army was so badly beaten that not two of them were left together. Then the people exclaimed to Samuel, 
Uh, now, where are those men who said, why should Saul rule of us? Bring them here and we'll kill them. But Saul interceded and replied, no, no one's gonna be executed today for the Lord has rescued Israel. It was a great, great, great day. Uh, I say all of that to, to, to say this, and the reason I wanted to read that, that passage of Scripture is because it's, it's very important that you understand that the, the Bible, though it is a historical text, and captures history is not limited, it's not relegated to purely being historical. The Bible claims to be living. And what the Bible does is it introduces the three immutable, constant, persistent forces at play, which is the reality of God and His laws, the reality of evil, and the reality of man's sinful nature, man's fallen nature. Those three things are at play all the time, every time. The, the reason we have these stories in the Bible isn't to kind of look back and pontificate, but we, we recognize that the same things that happened in the Scriptures are the same things that are happening in the world perpetuum. Well, what is happening in the world today is identical to what was happening in Europe in the 1930s. It's just one saculum, it's just one cycle away. The, the, great, the great lesson that we learn from history is that we don't learn from history. <laughs> the lesson that we learn from history is that we don't learn from history. But you are ahead of everybody else in El Cajon, in East County this morning, because you made the effort to get up and go to the house of God where you're gonna hear a prophetic word from a historical text, from a historical story that is gonna open your eyes to help you see what is going on around you today and understand what the battle is and understand not only just what the battle is and who the enemy is, but how to defeat and have victory in your life. Can somebody say amen? So let me give you four quick points in the 14 minutes. Gosh darn it, how did I get there? All right, number one. There is no peace coexisting with the serpent. There is no peace coexisting with the serpent. The serpent, I know they put coexist stickers on that they were there to deceive you. They don't want to coexist. They want to ensnare, enslave, dominate, oppress. It was never about coexistence. It was never about acceptance. It was always about forcing your submission, forcing. They weren't after your approval, they were after your submission. I had a neighbor a few years ago who uh, her, her husband was away on deployment and uh, she saw a rattlesnake in her yard. And so I get this phone call and so I decide I'm gonna go down, I'm gonna help this neighbor. I felt like it was the neighborly thing to do, Coral, to go down there and get rid of the rattlesnake because I'm from Australia and we have seven of the 10 deadliest snakes. I'm thinking, how bad can a rattlesnake be? Only to realize I turned up, looked down, I had flip-flops on and a pair of shorts. And I thought, I am a knuckleberry. And anyway, and so she says, you know, it was in the yard and I scampered and she had a son and she's like, you know, didn't want anyone to get bit and like, you know, rattlesnakes in the yard. And so I'm like, oh, do you have anything? She goes, well, my husband has got a machete. And I thought, that sounded like a deadly weapon. I'm like, done, yeah. 
I'm not sure if a machete is the best thing because it was not like only about that big. And uh, so I got the machete and then, I, you know, I asked where it was. And then I, I know a little bit about snakes in Australia. Snakes are, co- are cold-blooded. So they, they like to lie in places where it's hot and warm. So that's where you'll often see them on roads or footpaths or on rocks or whatever. And so I kind of looked in the backyard and I saw, okay, there's some sun here and there's a crack. Oh, they love that. And it's a little moist. And, they, and sure enough, there was a little tyke hiding in a crack. And so, you know, I managed to coax him out and he, you know, was kind of curled up and striking at me and but you know I'd love to tell you it was the first swing it was probably the ninth swing you know and backing off and you know and oh that's right I forgot to tell you that um he had a my my, my foot's about a nine and a half uh her husband's shoes are 14 and uh and I felt like it would be an idiot to to try and kill a rattlesnake with with flip-flops on so I put his boots on and I promise you I look like Ronald McDonald I'm like like this walking out and I'm almost tripping over the, the, the things trying to, you know, with a rattlesnake. And anyway, so I managed to kill the rattlesnake and then one of the neighbors had come over and, you know, took its head off and I'm holding its tail and it's awesome. But you've got to be careful because there's still venom in the, in the head. So anyway, one of the neighbors comes over, God bless them, and says, oh, oh, wherever there's one, there's always another one. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they're in two. I'm like, thank, thank, thanks a lot. So then she's like, oh. And so I had to, so, and then I did find the other one. We took that one out as well. And uh, you, can't, you can't coexist when there's a serpent in the garden, when there's a serpent in your house. You just can't do it. So in Romans chapter 14, verse 17, they're going to throw the Scripture up. Romans 14, 17. It says, The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness, peace, and joy, the kingdom of God. Jesus said, when you pray, pray our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Our job is to bring God's kingdom to El Cajon. Our job is really to to bring God's kingdom to you. How does that kingdom come? His kingdom comes in His Word. Thy, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. In His Word is His will. In His will is His Word. God never wills something He doesn't word, and God doesn't word something He doesn't will. So when you receive His Word, you receive His will. When you receive His will, you receive His kingdom. The devil doesn't want God's kingdom. He wants his own kingdom. So he rejects God's Word. That's why he wants to get God's Word out of our schools, out of our universities, out of our halls of justice. He wants to get rid of the Word because wherever God's Word is, God's kingdom is. So our job is to get God's kingdom to you by getting God's word to you and then getting God's word into our schools and getting God's, because we want to bring the king, but there's a battle, there's a kingdom battle. The kingdom of God is not just eating and drinking. These guys wanted to eat and drink. They just, hey, let us go back to eating and drinking. He says, I'll let you go back to eating and drinking at the expense of your right eye. But the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, of peace and joy. And so our job is to bring righteousness. Where righteousness is, you'll find there's peace. You'll always know where there's no righteousness because there's no peace. There's no, wherever righteousness is, there's peace. Wherever no righteousness is, there's no peace. You move into a bad neighborhood where there's no righteousness, where there's, where there's uh, corrupt morals and thievery and murder, you won't be able to sleep at night unless you know your car's locked and everything's safe and your house is locked and the alarm is set. Why? Because righteousness, peace and joy go together. Unrighteousness has no peace and therefore no joy. What do we want for your life? What does God want for your life? What does God want for El Cajon? What does God want for San Diego? He wants righteousness, peace, and joy. And it's found in the kingdom of God. Can somebody say amen? Number two, the devil, the serpent offers you peace at the cost of your right eye. 
at the cost of your right eye. Here's, here's the problem. If you give up one eye, you lose what they call depth perception. You can still see with one eye, but, but it, you need both eyes to have three-dimensional vision for you to be able to see depth. So they call it depth perception. Depth perception. It's interesting that he says, give up your right eye. In warfare, if we can put the slide up, in, in, in ancient warfare, the shield covered the left eye. The weapon was in the right hand, whether it was a spear, whether it was a sword, but a shield covered the left eye. So what happens if you give up your right eye? You have no offense. So therefore, because you have no offense, because the shield covers the left, if you give up your right, you are now blind in battle unless you get rid of your defense. See what Nahash, what the serpent was doing there. You, you think, man, why would these, what kind of idiots would give up their right eye? Well, let's, before we throw stones, have a look that we're not guilty of the same thing. Because the right eye is, is discernment, perception. It's, it's also fighting resistance. Do you know how many pastors I know gave up their right eye? They gave up their, their right eye. They no longer put up any resistance to a tyrannical government. They no longer put up any resistance. They no longer have any perception. See, Nahash is telling them, hey, listen, um, you give up your right eye so that you don't fight us, that you don't stand up against us, you don't try and defend yourself against what we do. We're gonna come into our, your schools and we're gonna start teaching CRT in your schools. We're gonna divide people according to race. But oh, I thought MLK Jr. said that he had a dream that his children will grow up in an America where they weren't judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Yeah, fooey to all of that. The answer to racism is more racism. because And if you say anything, you know, then, then you're gonna have some trouble here. No, I'll get rid of my right eye. I won't say anything. No, no, you, you, you see for me. You see for me. Oh, well, well, actually, you know what? It's not just that, but we're actually going to, we're actually going to send uh, men dressed up in drag, dressed up in women, and they're going to be teaching your, they're going to actually have reading hour with your infants. And uh, you say anything, you're a racist, you're a bigot, you're a homophobe, you're all, you're a Nazi, you're all kinds of things. We're going to, we're going to tell you what to see. We're going to tell you how to see. We're actually going to take over. Do you know how many people have given up their right eye to the serpent? allowing the wicked to tell you what to see. You're not in a recession. I, like, I, I can't even watch. I can't even watch any of the MS because they just, they, they are so doubled down in their lying. Uh, you know, oh, the economy is doing really well. Our economies are strong as hell, said Biden. What? Gas prices. Like, we, we, we've had four quarters in a row of declining wages, four quarters in a row of loss. We've had everything is escalating. The price of meat, the price of groceries, the price of food, the price of gas. Prices are going up while wages are going down, but there is no recession. Give us your right eye. Don't you dare see, don't you dare perceive. The borders are secure. Don't look at the fentanyl deaths. The borders are secure. Don't look at the, do you know borders secure? Do you know we've had 862 deaths in the last year at our southern border? 800, you don't hear about that. 
You don't hear about that because people have given up their right eye. We, we've given terms of peace. Hey, you know, pastor, I, I, you know, I, I can't believe you're speaking out. I just, just three days ago, uh, got, got a text message from, from a church I was meant to be speaking at in Germany this year saying, hey, we have to uninvite you uh, for coming because um, uh, some of your political, political posts, um, so, so leaders in Germany is still very sensitive. And so we're looking at some of your posts and um, we have to uninvite you from coming because your political, uh, you know, you know, knock yourself out. You, you, you take my, I just, I just, I, I'm not here to make terms of peace. I'm not here to give the, give your right eye to the serpent. Because let me tell you, if you think that he's going to, he ain't going to have peace. Evil's never satisfying. The borders are secure. Yeah, right. Oh, and the COVID shots are both effective and safe. Ne- I'm not sure if you saw last week, but the CDC released data that the, 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 the COVID shots have zero efficacy. In fact, they finally admitted they didn't even test for F efficacy before they mandated it. You, were, you lost your job unless you, you took the shot. Right now, we're in an epidemic of what they call SADS. Sudden Adult Death Syndrome. Unknown deaths, if we can throw the slides out. Unknown deaths is the number one cause of death in Canada, New Zealand, Australia, and Europe, and also in America when they release the, 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 the next lot of data. Sudden ad- people dying, young people, athletes, people who are physically fit are dying of, of heart attacks, myocarditis, all as a result of the the vaccinations. Now listen, if you took the vaccination, there's no guilt, there's no judgment here. However, there is, uh, we've got both eyes, darling. We've still got the right eye. I'm telling you, come and get prayer. Let us pray over you because there is a promise in the Scripture that if you ingest, if you take in anything deadly, through faith in Christ, we can annul that thing so that you don't succumb. It's an agenda. And if you don't believe me, Bill Gates, who's the biggest funder of the Pfizer vaccine, the biggest funder of the vaccinations, made squillions while people are dying, has been talking for the last decade or more about depopulation, that there's too many people on the planet for the resources. Funny, you have billions. Why don't you just start sharing? That might be a great concept, but these greedy Reprobates don't want to share. They just want to kill people so they don't have to share. And so the depopulation agenda is rolling out. And he says, the way we're going to accomplish depopulating the earth is through vaccinations. I don't like this, Pastor. Why is he telling the truth? Because you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. I've got no right eye. There's no difference between men and women. There is no difference. What are you talking about? I remember when I first saw my Leanne. Hola. When I first saw my Leanne, I'm like, thank God there's difference between. I remember my heart fluttering in my chest thinking, there's no way she's going to like me. And when I found out she liked me, I'm like, I've got to get a ring on that girl's finger before she, before she realizes what's out there. So I married her at 17, Jake Shooty. Ten years later, I'm like, it's too late, babe. It's too late. 
She could have had any man in the world, but I, so I'm determined for the rest of her life, I'm going to make sure she has no regrets. But I'm, I'm glad that there's a difference between men and women. There's a massive difference between men and women. But we have right now, get rid of your right eye. Not only is there no difference, but, 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 but men can compete in women's sports. And if, if you see, you know, the, 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 swimmer, the swimmer one beats, beats the record. The, the girl who came runner-up had been training and training for months. And the goal was to shave a fraction of a second off the record. This guy gets in the pool and shaves 38 seconds off. It's not fair. But, but if you say anything, you're a racist, you're a bigot, you're a Nazi. They just call your names. Give up your right eye. You need to give up your right eye and there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong. There's absolutely, there's nothing wrong. Ha ha, there's nothing wrong with, with grown men following little girls into the female bathrooms. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong. Don't give your eye to Nachash. Don't give your eye to the serpent. So Saul does something awesome. When, he, when all the people are weeping, and he's like, well, why is everyone crying? And when, when they tell him, this guy, this Nahash, the serpent wants to take, he gets two bulls and he cuts them in pieces and sends them throughout the land. Number three, we need to cut the bull in pieces. And we need to cut the bull in pieces. We need to cut the bull in. I, I don't know about you, but I'm done with the bull. We are in a recession. The, the, the gas prices are up. You are depleting our reserves because the midterms, not because you care. There is a 2030 Great Reset agenda that knows it needs to cripple America so that it can bring us to the table. And a Great Reset 2030 is where you will own nothing, but you'll be very, very happy. How do they know you'll be happy if you don't? I actually like owning things. Do you know if you don't own anything, you don't have anything to barter with? You know who doesn't own things? Slaves. Slaves own nothing. Do you know what the value and, and the life of a slave was? They, they, their life was worth nothing because they didn't own anything. The wicked want to own everything. You know why? Because they know a law is whoever holds the gold makes the rules. Whoever holds the gold makes the rules. I don't know about you, but it's time we cut the bull in pieces. It's time we cut the bull about CRT, that the answer to racism is more racist. It's time we cut the bull in pieces, teaching the LGBTQ garbage to our team. Leave our children alone. Stop grooming our children. Three-year-olds, four-year-olds, five-year-olds, six-year-olds. Can I tell you something? Letting a five, six, seven, eight-year-old decide their, their gender? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? At 18, we go off to college. And do you know how many people, it's like, what are you gonna do for the rest of your life? At 18, that, that pressure is too much. What career, what career choice? Most people that get a degree in this never end up using it, but it, it helped them to discover what they didn't want. And you're telling me that go back from 18, 17, 16, down into, into single digits, and we want them to decide for the rest of their life there, rather than just empower them in, in the way that they were born, it's time to cut the bull in pieces and send it throughout the land. I was talking to a gentleman recently who just literally spent two weeks on a boat, on a yacht with uh, George Soros. 
He's the biggest funder of our DAs. He hates America, even though his son said, but Dad, you've made all your billions from the Judeo-Christian free market capitalism of America. But George Soros has all of his staff, all of his employees, all of his children read a book by J.D. Rockefeller, who wrote 38 letters to his children on not just how to transfer wealth, but how to increase power. And he says, the problem with America is you. The thing that gets in the way of him getting more power is you, is the middle class. And I'll tell you why. There's a principle in the Bible. That's why we recommend reading the Bible. And the principle goes like this, that the wealth and the resources of the land flows to whoever is in power over that land. Whoever is in authority over that land, the wealth and the resource flow to that person. So if you go to Venezuela, the people are eating out of trash cans, but do not think that Hugo Chavez is eating out of trash cans because he's in authority. He's flying on Learjets, eating five-star cuisine while people are licking the bottom of trash cans. Why? Because he's in power and power through communism has been taken away from the people. If you study history, which we recommend, you don't have to believe the Bible, but just look at the world and you'll find the world is history is always reinforcing and complementing the Bible. Wherever communism, wherever they took the power away from the people and concentrated into elite few, the elite few got wealthy and the people got poor. So the founders of this great nation, the United States of America, put a constitution together where they divided the powers into three separate but equal branches to keep accountability so that not one dictator could rise up. But then they did this, we the people, the preamble to our constitution is we the people in order to establish a more perfect union so that those who govern, govern at the consent of the governor. In other words, they never relinquished authority. The people that we elect to power are elected to power, but the authority always remains with the people. Because the people are in authority, because the people are in power, the wealth and the resources of the land flows to those who are in power. That's why America, in all the history of the world, in all the nations, civilizations and kingdoms of the world, America is unprecedented, unmatched and unparalleled in her production of prosperity and blessing. People came from Ireland, people came from Europe, people came from all over the world with rags on their back, with just a dream in their heart into this land. This it has the same sky. We have the same sun. We have the same wind. We have the same rain. There's nothing different except a constitution that put you in authority because you are in authority, not a king, not a monarchy, not, not, not an elite few, but because they put the many in charge, the many began to prosper. Do you realize that kings 100 years ago didn't live as well as the, as the middle class? In fact, the lower middle class live better than kings. Kings a hundred years ago didn't have refrigeration. Kings a hundred years ago couldn't flick a switch and, and change the temperature of their home to cool it in summer and heat it in winter. Kings a hundred years ago couldn't get on a, on a jet airplane and fly to the other end of the, the country, but you can, you can. You can get an automobile because of the prosperity that, that was put into place. But there's Nahash who wants to take away your right eye, because he wants to dominate, enslare and enslave, because he knows <coughs> the wealth, <coughs> excuse me, the wealth and the resources of land flow to whoever's in, in authority. That's why you have to understand that when Jesus 
was on the earth, he empowered fishermen. He empowered disciples. There was 120 people in the upper room. On a great day, Pastor Michael, I reckon I can get through 16 names. There's at least 104. I wouldn't have a clue who they were. No name people. But Jesus said, you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost. Jesus was about empowering from the bottom up. Nahash, the serpent, is always about concentrating power into the few, the elite. We see it in Nimrod. We see it all the way through the Bible. You're in a battle. Don't think that, oh, if we just give them authority, well, you know, the emergency use powers, Gavin Newsom. Do you think Gavin Newsom only had five people turning up for for Thanksgiving? Do you think Gavin Newsom was masking his kids? Do you think Gavin Newsom was vaccinating his kids? You're a fool if you believe that. Well, well, you couldn't have five people gathered together for for Thanksgiving. He's at French Laundry ordering $2,000 bottles of wine, dining inside, no mask, no social distancing. Do you really think you really think those people abide by the rules they put on you? That's why we push back. That's why we stand up. Don't give your right eye. Don't give your discernment. Don't give your judgment. If you give up your right eye, you're defenseless. No, no, we, we're not just. I'm keeping my right eye because I'm going to take my sword and I'm going to take my spear. And I may lose my life, but you know what? I'm going down fighting. I'm going down swinging. Not on my watch. You are not taking ground. You are not taking territory. You're not oppressing our people. Taking Number four is we declare deliverance and we defeat the enemy. I love it. He says, before the sun is hot tomorrow, I'll deliver you. James talks about faith without works. It breaks my heart how many, throw it up, James 2.18. Breaks my heart how many pastors I've talked to, oh, you know, we just want to preach the gospel. What gospel are you preaching? Well, you know, we're, just, we're meant to just be the silent, chosen, frozen. No, you're not. Paul says, uh, uh, James says, if someone may say, listen, I have faith and another, I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. In other words, what you believe without action is useless. You believe there's one God, well done. Golf clap. You do well, even the demons believe. Well done, Einstein. And the demons tremble because they've... But you wanna know, oh foolish man, that, that faith without works is dead. The devil doesn't mind you having faith. He just doesn't want you to put works to it so that your faith is dead. Not an our watch. We're gonna, we're gonna go through the voter roll. We're gonna stand up. We're gonna rise up. We're gonna push back. Now watch this. I'm landing the plane. I promise you. So we know that Nahash is the word for serpent. The word for sin in the Hebrew sin came the, the original... The, the original uh, Hebrew sand sin because there's no vowels in Hebrew. So it was the summach and the nun. And the original word for sand, for sin is also the word for poison. It's also a word for poison. And just like in, in Hebrew, Hebrew is very different to every other language. In Hebrew, uh, instead of spelling water, W-A-T-E-R, in Hebrew, they spell water H-2-O. It's, it's spelt by the composite. And so when you see the word sin, you see the stomach and you see the noon. The noon, the N, is, is also symbolic for nachash or serpent. So literally sin is the poison 
of the serpent, the poison of the serpent. Now in Hebrew, the Hebrew goes, it's so, so magnificent that every letter has a numerical value. And if you talk to, talk to any rabbi, they'll tell you that the, 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 the gematria, which is what it's called, like the anatomical value of every word has incredible significance. The value of the word Nahash or serpent is 358, is 358. There's only one other single word in the entire Hebrew lexicon that is also 358 and it's the word Mashiach, the word Messiah. So the word serpent is 358. Remember in Genesis, God said to the serpent and to the woman who just sinned and took the poison and death who is now inside of man. He said, I'm gonna put hostility, I'm gonna put enmity between your seed and her seed. You will bruise his heel, but the heel that you bruise will crush your head. God had already declared that what what the serpent injected, the Messiah would come and completely eviscerate and block out. But watch this. Growing up in Australia, we have seven of the 10 deadliest snakes in the world that live in Australia. I'm not sure whether it's just the weather or, but seven of the 10 deadliest snakes live in Australia. So we we have, we have to have, because there's so many snake bites every year, we have to have what they call uh, an anti-venom, anti-venom. So that if somebody gets bit by a king brown, a brown snake, a taipan, take them down to the hospital and we have an anti-venom that we can inject in them, put them in the hospital. And if we get there early enough, we can save their lives. There are only two animals, there are only two animals that you can inject the poison of a snake bite into that will produce antibodies. The second one is the horse. The horse is, is, is much larger than a human. In fact, the polio vaccine was they injected a horse with polio and the, the, the horse survived. And then they took the blood of an overcomer, whole nother message. And that's how they made the, the vaccine. Number two, but it's a distant number two to number one. The number one animal that if you put a snake bite venom into, there's something about its blood that produces the highest concentrate of antibodies that they use for antivenines. And it's a lamb, not a sheep, a lamb. There's something about a lamb that when you inject it with the hematoxins of a snake bite, there's something in its blood that produces the highest level of antibodies, that it produces the most potent of antivenines, so that if anybody is bit by the poison of a serpent and now has death in them, they just take him and they put in them the blood of the lamb and it overcomes. I want you to know everything preaches the Bible. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Stand to our feet. See, Jesus is the Messiah. What did John the Baptist call him when Jesus was walking along the banks of the Jordan River? John the Baptist pointed and says, behold the lamb of God. What did Jesus do when He was nailed to the cross? He took what? Sin. What was sin? The poison of the serpent. He took the poison of the serpent upon Himself. And you know what He said? It is finished. 
Did he die? He died. But you know what? On the third day, he got up out of the grave. Do you know what's in his blood now? The antibodies. You know what's in his blood now? The antidote. You know what's in his blood? The antivenim. Sin no longer has power over anybody that receives Jesus. When you receive, when you receive in it, you receive. If you've never received Jesus, do not leave today without receiving Jesus Christ. You can try and, and beat sin. You can try and discipline. You can try and, but I'm telling you, you need the blood of Jesus Christ. It's only the blood of Jesus is the antidote. The blood of Jesus is the antiphonim. Come on, lift your hands high to heaven. Say these words out loud. Say, Heavenly Father, today I receive Jesus Christ, His blood, the antidote to sin. I declare sin is nullified in my body. Death is defeated. Through Christ, I have eternal life. Through Christ, I receive forgiveness, grace, new life. Now say this with a little bit of gusto. Say, and devil, I will not give you my right eye. I will see like the Bible says. I will discern good and evil like the Bible says, I declare today that I am a child of the Most High God. I declare today we're going to flip the script in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow. What an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com. Or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.